You're listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that if you're going to be making any purchases on Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Zazzle.com, please go to www.9to5.cc first and click the links in the sidebar or at the bottom of the page to support the site. It makes no difference to you, but it really helps us out a lot. Enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome everyone to 9ES, and we hope you're listening because two of our members are not here today. Wait, we hope they're listening because of that? We hope you're listening. We hope you didn't do like our co-hosts and leave to Scotland. You can still download us in Scotland. The internet is everywhere! What do we talk about, Scott? We talk about hip-hop music. We talk about racism in professional sports. We talk about racism in other professional sports. (laughs) And then... uh, Talk a little bit about wrestling, kind of, at the end. It's playoff season in Montreal. It's closer and closer to hockey being on my birthday, which means the Habs made it to the third round, if hockey's on my birthday. Hopefully they do. It's game four tonight. You should watch it. While listening to us. Exactly. You don't need the audio. You can tell what's going on. Totally. Listening to us is better than listening to Don Cherry. Tell the, tell the bartender to put us on. Yeah. Do that. Hey, right, so we actually we got it. It's round fourteen. Hang on, this is, this is a big deal. I fucking hate you. This is going to be the worst start of an NES in history. There's actually? no, we don't, we don't have any anybody to fall back on. <laughs> <laughs> we can't be like, yo, Sophie and John, talk amongst yourselves while we watch this hockey video. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, like, it's what? it's a milestone in in hockey history. Uh, defenseman Marek Malik has Malik. announced his retirement, and then it goes fourteen rounds in the shootout. Uh, this was this was ten years ago. Yeah, then it went fourteen rounds in the show. Yeah, yeah. He spent the last five years playing in Europe, but uh, it's still a sad day that <laughs> Marek Malik has retired. Um, looking back at his <laughs> triumphant career, triumphant career where he scored that one goal in, in the really long shootout. It's a big, it's a big ago. hockey day. Ron Hextall was named the GM. He was he was assistant GM, and now he's officially the GM of. The, the Philadelphia only... Flyers. I'm really excited for the GM meetings. <laughs> Ron Hextall is now the only general manager of not just hockey, but all of the North American professional sports. That I, 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 would say the, like. I would say the only general manager of anything, like including like general managers of like music bands and like <laughs> general managers of companies and <laughs> just like a guy video who's, stores. I'd like so. to ask you a question. I'd like to take off my pants. <laughs> If you don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> Google, what is it, Ron Heck? Ron, Hex- Ro- Ron Hextall takes naked. off his pants, probably. Uh, if you type into YouTube, Ron Hextall naked, you will see it. <laughs> you will see Ron Hextall naked. Yeah. You want to pause the American Merrick League shit? <laughs> really, I don't want to. This is right at the highlight now. It's the best <laughs> part. The God highlight. damn it. So what's going on with this 90S? This is like a, a throwback. Because uh, did we record the first episode or the first two episodes, just the two of us? Really? Just the two of us? Yeah, there's definitely the first episode. You could probably... Go check on nine to five right now. Oh man! You want Side it. up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I definitely remember at least the first episode was just you and I, and it might have even been the first two episodes before uh, John got off his ass and joined the fray. So it is way throwback then. It is way 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 throwback. This is definitely click click ninety s. Yeah ninety. Oh there, there we, we go. go. And then scroll down oh, man. all I the sh- way. Wait, is this? 
Episode 60? Is this episode 60? Man. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Fuck John and Toby, then go to the last, <laughs> I guess. Wow. Episode 60 is crazy. Yeah. So for one yeah, episode... Episode 1 is... is just ours. you and me. Alright. Episode 2, John shows up. <laughs> Alright. So this is episode 1, episode 60. This is our last ever episode. Scott and I are bookending the series. <laughs> Either that or we have to commit to doing another 59 episodes before we get to... Another Scott and Kate yeah. Or whatever. So see you, at, see you at 120 <laughs> in two or three years from now. So yeah, so Scott and John uh, are in... No. I'm here. Right. Scott I'm... and Sophie. Nope. Nope, still here. <laughs> John and Sophie are in Scotland with uh, Sophie's Scottish boy, other John. And uh, we had one episode in the tank, and that was our crush groove... Movie Club episode. Damn, that was a good episode. It was a really good episode. If you did not listen to that episode, you missed out. And if you did not watch Crush Groove, you really missed out. I ran into a uh, Toronto stand-up comedian at an all-night dance party on Saturday, Dave Mahesh. <laughs> As you do. As you do. It was super funny. It was uh, So Ross and his friends, Eric and Angel, were throwing a like secret all-night dance party and at like, 4 in the morning... Uh, Dave Merhage just comes in. I'm like, Dave Merhage? He's like, what the hell are you doing here? I'm like, I actually live in Montreal. I have like a way bigger chance of being here than, <laughs> than you wandering in alone at 4 a.m. He's like, oh, I'm friends of friends of friends of the owner, and I I'm, came to Montreal to get fucked up, and so I was like, what's an all-night party? So he referred me here, but then he's playing poker, so he bailed. So I just came here alone. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we were talking. He's a big, big, big hip-hop fan. If you Google Dave Merhage, you can... He, a lot of very hip hop influenced and In, interest, interesting side note here Ross who was DJing at that yeah. party and I are working on a hip hop song fun yeah. <laughs> so you're gonna get him into hip hop yeah, yeah well he's gonna he's gonna program something and I'm gonna rap you're gonna try the raps yeah yeah so anyway so yeah and he he had not seen Crush Groove and he's like I've always a sort of like he's like I know exactly what it is I've seen even like clips of it on YouTube he's like I really feel like it I was like you absolutely need to see Crush Groove um Transitioning from Crush Groove, I did read. You passed me the uh, Hip Hop Family Tree by Ed Pisker. Pisker. Ed Pisker, yeah, which is like, in a way, the prequel to Crush Groove. <laughs> in a very serious, in a, in historically a non, non- researched, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, but like it literally, it literally ends off like the last sort of stuff that's happening is like Rick Rubin being like. Man, I gotta figure out this hip hop thing, and like <laughs> DJ Run being like, "I'm gonna get more into this hip hop thing." So, yeah. which is like, literally the opening scene of Crush Crew is <laughs> like, "How we gonna do it?" Yeah, no. And uh, Rick Rubin putting pants on. Yeah, Rick Rubin putting pants on. Also, it's sort of a metaphor for also his involvement. the the funniest part for me is the fact that um, that uh, Russell Russell Simmons is portrayed as he actually is, which is, like, kind of a cross-eyed stoner and not, like, a super... <laughs> Blair Underwood. S- sexy stud Blair Underwood <laughs> in Crush Groove. <laughs> which I was like, this is super weird, because I was like, those characters are, like, overlapping in my brain. And even though I know Russell Simmons is... Slightly, not Blair Underwood. Not Blair Underwood, and is a slightly cross-eyed... You know that, to this day, he is the third most wealthy hip-hop, like, music executive. Blair Underwood? No, no. <laughs> Russell Simmons, like he's still like his net worth is still like three hundred something million dollars and whatever. Like, what he, after Dre and Jay Z? Probably, yeah. That's I did not look at the list of number of one and two. I just looked at Russell Simmons' Wikipedia page after I was reading <laughs> Hip Hop Family Tree because I was like, whatever happened to him? And apparently, he just I guess he maybe probably still makes money from the fucking catalog. Like, yeah, 
Like, he just needs to sit there and manage a catalog of classic hip-hop tunes. Slowly sign licensing contracts for their commercials and yeah, exactly. movies and stuff. Fucking covers and samples. Yeah, Holy uh, shit, samples. <laughs> um, yeah, so Hip-Hop Family Tree. It's uh, a comic book about the it's history ba- of hip-hop. It's barely even a comic book. I would say it's an illustrated history. Because, like, you can't... It's Like a comic strip? Not even a comic strip, because it's like... Well, so, like Family like, so, like the cap- The captions are... The like historical context and the what the characters are saying is rarely a discussion. It's usually just like a, a, quote. Sn- a quote. So it's like quotes and historical context for that quote. Right. Except for when Kumo D uh, completely destroys uh, Busy B. Yeah. That's like two pages of the <laughs> of the entirety of Kumo D's like sets. It's just like. Well, I think a lot of the stuff that he directly quotes people, he wants like an actual source for that quote. Yeah, yeah. And I think in that case, there was um, someone who had recorded that and was yeah, able to... Well, and that's not even... And I still love the fact that like, you're reading this that. thing, reading it, reading it, reading it, and then he's like, he would go on for another two minutes. Like, apparently, Kumodi <laughs> was just like, I'm sick and tired of Busy B fucking winning these things because for bullshit reasons. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna, like, rip them apart for, like, just because I can. There's so much in that that I found crazy interesting. One, how much of it is New York? And... Ed Plisker really tries to say what else is happening in the rest He's of the like, country. He's like, this guy came from Detroit. This guy then was he moved to New York. <laughs> right. like... And two, like, how terrible fashion was. Yeah. Right from the very start with hip-hop. Like, the, yeah. the main fashion trend at the start was sweatshirts with iron-on letters. Of your name. Of your name. <laughs> I was like, maybe he's doing that to identify them so it's easier for the reader. No. that's They'd be like, I'm Rahim. <laughs> you can tell from my name. I also like, and, and again, I don't know if this is, there's a couple things where it's like, there's some style choices. And then there's a couple things where I was like, Grandmaster Flash, like he's on, on the cover of the book. Yep. And is also probably one of the most identifiable fixtures of that, of definitely of that period of like, and of hip hop in general. Of, like, of actual old school hip hop. Like okay. the black track suit and like the Kangol hat and the Technics earphones like that's Grandmaster Flash and that's what he still looks like now but then they also briefly referenced the the terrible makeover that the Furious Five gets where they were like completely... now we're going to make a music video put yeah. this on <laughs> exactly it's completely bonkers and the rest of the Furious Five stay that way for the rest of the book but like shortly after Flash goes back to and I was like I don't know if he actually went back or if it was just to like more easily identify Flash as the reader but like well, no, he was super pissed off because he wasn't doing anything with the record company. Yeah, but I don't know if, but he, if he still completely dropped the the image in public and just went back to the fucking tracksuits and Kangles, like, which I also think would be just as funny. Well, the Furious, like, they weren't really performing anymore, so Flash would go to he would go to shows and, and just DJ a club. I don't know. But they, but there, there's there's footage or footage. There's shots in the book of the Furious Five dressed ridiculous with Flash dressed completely normal. <laughs> <laughs> like it's as though they stuck with it and he was like fuck it like, which I could also like I said just as easily see right because that was all a fucking scam like half the stuff all the early stuff of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious 5 is not Flash on the fucking beats or anything it's just well no because they couldn't there's no way the record label could have licensed all the stuff he was sampling at parties yeah exactly so the stuff that he was famous for was not at all what they were allowed to record and put out on a, yeah and, on and, an and the, the, like the funniest part is that that was true of all of them. Like, all the DJs were like, what? Yep. Like, they had their names on the records, and... African Bombada. Yeah. I, I also love that, <laughs> repeatedly, like, Bombada just shows up, 
and it's always like the same shot of him just like arms folded behind the fucking decks <laughs> and like walls of sound just like <laughs> flying out from him. Like he's not even touching the turntables. Alfred Bombado was famous because he had the best sound system. Uh, he wasn't the best DJ, but he kind of ran the neighborhood like, like his own gangster paradise. Well, because he he was right. Like he started off as a gang leader, and then hip hop. He became just like a peaceful gang leader with the Zulu <laughs> Nation. Same thing too. I was like flipping through the, flipping through the um, like the pinups and whatever at the back, and I was like, man, it's weird that there's no Jim Mafford. Oh, there it is. But it's <laughs> <laughs> just because I was like slipping from like the the back to the front. And I was just like, oh, these are nice. And I was like, weird that there's no Mafu. Oh, there's a big giant Africa Bombada pinup, the Zulu Nation yeah. thing. Uh, did you go back and listen to any old school hip hop after reading it? I didn't. Because uh, Soul Sonic Force and Africa Bombada, man, their music is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like right after finishing it, I was like, I'm gonna listen to Renegades of Funk. Anyway, that song is unlistenable. Rage <laughs> gets their hands on it. Like, it is bad. It is crazy. Well, that's it. Like, I mean, I know the, like, even, like, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, like, what's the biggest track? Like, Pressure? Like... The Message. The Message? Yeah, Don't Push Me. Yeah, that, 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 that's that's way after this, the book, yeah, still. Yeah. That's, like, way, way, way late. That's, like, mid-80s almost, yeah. right? So I don't even know what they're fucking... Shit was when they were doing it there. Seventy nine, eighty, yeah. Yeah, I also love the like uh, rappers. Rappers Paradise by the Sugar Hill Gang is almost unlistenable. Rappers Delight. Rappers Delight. Yeah. Rappers Delight is still like. I was surprised that it was that early because it sounds like it at least sounds kind of contemporary. Like considering considering in comparison to the other stuff, I was surprised that Rappers Delight was like literally the first rap song on the radio. Like, right. <laughs> like. like Basically, like, there was plenty of hip-hop before it, but like that was the first like single. My favorite part of the whole book was uh, Blondie. Yeah, apparently Blondie... Just releasing Rapture and, and her graffiti artist buddy was like, yeah, that was funny. And then he's driving home and he's like, wait, that's, it's on the radio? Yeah. That wasn't a joke song just for me? Was, what? Like, <laughs> Blondie just being like, rap is amazing. I also love the fucking, the best part... Not the best I love part. the fact that Blondie has the first charting rap song in history. Yeah. <laughs> the the other thing that was like like the there there's like a couple like Blondie is one of them. But there's like a few points in the book where the hip hop scene crosses over with like the punk scene. And like the punk scene is like the history that like I I know a lot more about than the hip hop yeah. one. Where it's like there's obviously there's like Rick CBGBs. going to like CBGBs and all that stuff. But then the the story about and I didn't really know how badly they did i had kind of known about the story the where uh clash oversold like where clash oversold a venue by like 10 times <laughs> and then they were like well let's need to issue refunds and clash was like no we're just gonna play 12 shows <laughs> <laughs> like they literally sh- sold like thirty thousand tickets to like a three thousand person venue <laughs> and the promoters were like we'll just issue refunds and clash was like no we're gonna fucking play like a two-week stand in new york <laughs> and they needed to fucking scramble for openers and they got a lot of hip-hop openers yeah. and it just like it shows like furious five getting bottles thrown at them and it shows like treasures <laughs> three getting bottles thrown at them like it's just like you're like oh shit and you see like clashes like you guys don't fucking understand like this is just as good as what we're doing like, and i was like oh the clash and that and then that was like way early clash stuff too and they ended up getting way more like dance hall influenced and stuff later down the road but I thought that was kind of like kind of crazy they're like yeah fucking hip hop acts opening and then why like, not that's crazy let's do it yeah exactly get bottles thrown at them <laughs> like what the fuck like you can just imagine like fucking like the Furious Five just used to uh, killing it everywhere they go and just, like in demand 
Yeah, exactly. Like high, high paid. Owners calling them in, like, will you play us? Yeah, exactly. And then opening for the clash and getting bottles thrown at them. You're like, oh. So. So, yeah, uh, the volume two is out, but I haven't got my hands on it yet. Yeah. Well, and it's all, I believe, isn't it mostly on the website? Or is there expanded content for the books? I think it's expanded content for the books. The the website's kind of hard to, Cause like to little, click through. It's like nuggets on the website, yeah. so it's not as compiled. And then you don't have that kind of weird twisting overlap from this person then runs into this person. This person quits this group and joins that group. Yeah, yeah. It's the other the other to thing that. too that you get take away from this is that uh, Grandmaster Flash was a bit of a dick. <laughs> Just so was Africa Mbappada. So was Mbappada's Le- less. So like, was everyone involved in the Sugar Hill Gang? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, none none of them were rappers. They just stole all their rhymes. <laughs> and like, there's so much there's so much rhyme stealing. Like, just in general, when you yeah. see people say like, well, like Busy B with the ba with a ba to bang to bang, and you're like. That was stolen 20 years later and, like, made more popular than ever, like, it probably was Busy B. Same thing with, like, the uh, Deep Deep Dive, So Socialized. Like, obviously, Beastie Boys are referencing that lyric, like, but you're, like, you hear it as something contemporary and you're, like, oh, no, that was from 1979. That the yeah. And, yeah, and was it... Um, Big Bang Hank just stole all of his rhymes from that guy. But to be fair, supposedly asked, and the guy just did not realize the repercussions of what was going on. Sure, you can have my shitty rhyming song words. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Just let me open up for you when you get big. Ha ha. The fuck? This song is on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Magic was uh, basically deciding who was famous at his whim. Pretty much. But he he was doing pirate radio. There was no one... Yeah, well, no, it was a block on real radio, but it was just like a late night, two a.m. to four a.m. block yeah, that nobody, nobody, nobody was listening to except for people into hip hop. <laughs> well, no, but yeah, uh, like you wouldn't care now what was playing on between two and four a.m. on any radio station yeah. in this city. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's what we're banking on. Just, it's yeah. two a.m. Why turn on the radio? Listen to us. Yeah, we'll put you right to sleep. <laughs> but yeah, no, but at least there's like two instances in the book where Bombada helps out other people, right? Again, They're, but like. Kind of like Don Corleone helps out people. Yes, I will grant you this. You have asked now. Me. You remember the Zulu Nation? What? God damn it! <laughs> no, but it's like whether where where Flash, uh, not the Treacherous Three, the one of the fours, where Flash challenges yeah. one of the other groups, but then like brings his like pro star equipment, and they're like motherfucker. Bombada's like this is bullshit. So then like shows up with his <laughs> with his sound system. So and then like where he like gives the records to the other guys and like I, I pictured every one of those every <laughs> one of those battles I pictured like a scene in Scott Pilgrim, yeah, in, like in the movie like where they're <laughs> actually physically fighting each other with sound. Yeah, well that that's the other thing too is there's like there's like actual beefs get settled in rap battles. <laughs> like, you won, and I respect that. Exactly. We shall move on. Exactly. I won't play any clubs in your area anymore because you won a rap battle. It's like that's how business was taken care of. Almost like pro wrestling. Yeah. Well, there was we well, there... fought, and now we know who the better man is. Well, there was the same thing with the Sugar Hill Records uh, when they were having the dispute over someone that was like one of Flash's beats, and Sugar Hill was like rapping over it. So it was like Sugar Hill Gang versus the Fur- Furious Five, and they actually had a football game yes. <laughs> to settle it and then they were like okay well fucking like furious five won that sample so you can't spin it anymore and like and then they didn't <laughs> you know and it's like they won the rights to use a particular sample in a football game 
uh, Africa Babata was always worried about people looking at what records he was mixing, so he'd strip the labels off and put different labels off. Yeah, so well, well, that was then they said that that was started by like uh, uh, Cool Herc or whatever, like who was like the original original guy that like discovered how to how to loop breaks around having two copies of the same record and then just like <laughs> looping them into each other again and again. And he would take his the labels off his records and put like the wrong records. So and other DJs would be like, "Man, that song is incredible. Let's go spend ten bucks at the record store." It's like, <laughs> remember some bad country music? Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, it probably wasn't like completely off point. It was probably like just like this like other funk record. You're like, "God damn it, where's that fucking break?" Like listening to it again and again and again. You're like, "Shit." So yeah, it yeah. was great. Good good times, hip hop. Um. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna. So you went to Ross's party. Yeah, I went to Ross's party. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so and, so yeah, go read that comic. Go watch that movie. Yeah, and then do hip hop things, <laughs> old school hip hop things. And again, I, if you listen to Crush Groove, I can't I cannot reiterate the fact that that movie would be like have a Criterion collection of it if they just simply replaced the Fat Boys with the Beastie Boys. <laughs> like it would be like such a cult masterpiece if the Beastie Boys featured prominently in that movie. Like if the Beastie Boys were the comic relief, mm-hmm. like just and especially if you think of like the amazing comedy music videos that came out of the Beastie Boys basically for their entire career. Shortly like, after Crush Groove came out, right? Fight for Your Right was not out already? Oh, oh maybe. Well, I mean, 86, in, 87, super close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fight for Your Right might have already come out as a video, which oh. was and that was be, probably also a reason why they weren't featured as star players. <laughs> hey, let's hire those guys. Wait. Yeah, well, they they get booed in the movie. <laughs> they get booed off the stage in the movie, like because presumably they're white. Like someone, someone, uh, not someone. Phil, it was Phil. Web, our web designer, Phil, was like, I forgot how like reverse racist that movie was. Like it's completely like white people are lame and they're the worst. That is like the message of the film, like except for Rick Rubin, and even then he's like still the butt end of a lot of jokes because he's, underwear. Yeah, exactly. And he lives in the studio, and when he like does the terrible rap in the bank to try to get a loan, like and they're like, "Ha ha, Rick, <laughs> you're crazy." Um, so hip hop. This is a great segue. Check this out. So hip hop has been the focal point of a lot of racial issues. Right? NBA basketball. Oh shit! What? <laughs> I love this story it's so insane it's straight up crazy uh roger sterling owner of the los angeles clippers not gonna lie just here's like a quick little sidebar Uh, i was in mexico when this whole story was breaking so i was only getting like bits and pieces of it and with the name roger sterling i was like my brain was always like someone's like misquoting mad men or something because there's roger (laughs) cooper (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, another Sterling. There's a Roger and there's a Sterling in Mad Men. And people were talking about, did you hear about Roger Sterling? And I was like, and Mad Men had just started. And I was like, this doesn't sound right. And I was like, why are so many people talking about Mad Men? Then I put it together and it was a real racist. <laughs> Not just Owner of the LA racist. Clippers, the other basketball team in Los Angeles. Because they need to. Yeah, well. He... How many basketball teams are in California? Uh, let me see. There's two in LA. Uh, there's Sacramento, there's the Golden State Warriors, and is that it? I think that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, there's four. Only four? Yeah. Like three hockey teams and four basketball teams. Mm-hmm. I thought, anyway, a lot of sports in California. 
How many football teams do they have? I don't think they have any. The Giants? Oh, the Raiders. Raiders. Just Oakland. the Raiders. The Oakland Raiders. The Giants are baseball. And 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 football. But Not the New York Giants. Yeah, exactly. Are. New York Giants. San Francisco Giants are baseball. Yes. Yeah. Anyways. A lot of sports in California. So he gets recorded um, by his mistress, mistress? saying yes. a bunch of really racist, racist. shit about, about people that she's associating with at basketball games as well as his fans and players. Now, Include, including things like I wish you wouldn't advertise yourself being black, like something like something like along those lines of like I wish you wouldn't advertise. Now, all of this is really horrible and abhorrent and wrong. Right. And on top of it all, one of the people that he really slags on on her hanging out with is Magic Johnson. <laughs> Now I don't want to I don't want to at all minimize the impact and effect and awfulness of what he says um, in terms of his outrageous racism. But if I ever met a professional athlete, I would go up to them and shake their hand and and, and say hi. And right. That's pretty universal except for Magic Johnson because I would kind of want a hug from Magic. Yeah, like, I want a hug. I want a hug from Shaq. Shaq, I think, also would be a hug person. Yeah, yeah I'd like to get hugged by Shaq. That would just be a surreal experience, though. Just, <laughs> just be like, just, you're like, how tall are you? I'm six three. Exactly. You're like, I'm a little baby. You're like, <laughs> by Shaq. <laughs> but Magic, I would actually want the hug. He looks yeah. like a, a a good, good dude. Good dude, and pretty much is, you know. There's Shaq news. Shaq news. Specifically, a sequel to Shaq Fu. The video game. The video game. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> it's somehow getting made. Like I don't know if it's gonna be. I I only heard about this like ever so briefly on like Gizmodo or something. It was just like in the news feed. But okay. it's like is actually happening. That <laughs> Shaq Fu. Scott is ha- unclipping something that has never been unpacked since he moved into this house a year ago. It's the SNES copy of Shaq Fu. He's like, I wonder. I know yeah, that's that right. Is. I own a copy of Shaq Fu. But yeah, so they're just making a sequel to Shaq Fu. Shaq fights monsters. Not only do I own a copy of Shaq Fu, at its mention, I produce it. Yeah. In a box that has literally not been unpacked until right now. It was taped up until this moment. You lived here like a year. I believe I put it in that box before I moved into my previous apartment. <laughs> <laughs> when you moved it the, out of the, the basement. basement. Into... Yeah, I think it's been in there since. Just waiting for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for this moment so that you could produce a copy of Shaq Fu. So anyway, yeah. Uh, Roger Sterling. Pretty much the worst. Pretty much the worst. And all of this happens, and the NBA commissioner has only been in the job for three months. Fun. He's like, hey, I'm the new guy, and I'm super excited about these playoffs, and oh my god, I have to deal with this now? Can I can I call the old guy back in? And <laughs> I'll, I'll pick up after the... But the sentencing was, was good. It was ban- banned for life from all business dealings with the NBA, right? And attending games, and yeah. attending practices. Yeah. Anything where the NBA is involved, he is not. So, however, the maximum fine was, according to the NBA Constitution, was applied. He he has to pay two point five million dollars. Mm-hmm. He still owns the team. <laughs> they can't force him to sell the team right. without a, like a unanimous vote by the owning owners committee. Yeah, which is pretty tough. Cause yeah, because he's got to have a buddy kicking around on one of the teams. Yeah, and just by being in LA and being terrible for so long, like he he made the Lakers a bunch of money. 
for the faux rivalry between the Lakers and the Clippers? Well, there was no, there was no rivalry. It was football. just all the celebrities would rather go to a Lakers game rather than be embarrassed being caught at a Clippers game, <laughs> unless the Lakers were playing the Clippers. Yeah, exactly. Um, the worst. So he owns a, owns a team that he can have nothing to do with. Yeah, except for make money off of. The best part about this was when they asked the coach, who is a former NBA player and uh, black dude. Right. Like, are you surprised by these allegations? And he just straight up says, "No, I'm not. I'm not surprised by them at all." I'm pretty sure if you spent your career working for a big racist, you know he's a big racist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the crazy part now here's like the part that like blows my mind is that he was still sleeping with a black woman. Like, he didn't like her. Yeah, but what the fuck? Like, not. And I don't. And I in no way am I trying to like excuse. I just don't understand how. It's you've like, never, you've never, you've never slept with someone you don't really like. Not on the regular, like. Fair point. <laughs> you can make like a few mistakes here and there, okay, but it's you've like, never slept with someone on the regular you didn't respect. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, it's like, and like. If you're listening to this, it wasn't you. I promise. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah. But yeah, but that, that's the part though. I'm like, presumably, he's like a billionaire. Like he got it has. Have, if he doesn't want to sleep with black people, there's nobody like there's no like ah oh, I can only pick up black chicks for some reason like it's, you know like, like, like I'm sure this is not a problem that he was having being a giant billionaire asshole like if he wanted to not sleep with black people I guarantee you he could have done it and yet somehow he still had a black mistress maybe he's confused about racism maybe he he thinks that's how the best way to be racist is <laughs> to just. Maybe. Maybe he's that big of an asshole. I don't even know. Oh, my God. But, yeah. That... So, racism in sports, not just about sums it up. No. Oh, God. T- today, because this, this is as close as to a, a live podcast as we get with, like, a less than 24-hour turnaround. Mm-hmm. Tonight's game is game four of Boston versus Montreal. NHL playoffs. Wait, what? There's no racism in hockey. Of course not. Oh, that doesn't wait. make any sense. Yes, there is. <laughs> no, we were the first professional sport to integrate. And and Boston was the first ever team. The first ever black player was uh, Willie. I want to say Willie O. Willie O'Ree. Willie O'Ree. Willie O'Me. Google that shit. First black NHL player. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm going with Willie O'Ree as my as my vote. First ever black hockey player played for the Boston Bruins. Anyway, so certainly Boston would not be racist. Willie O'Ree. Nice Good job. Yeah. So certainly Boston would not be racist towards like a, an up and coming black player. They also have Jerome McGinley recently acquired Jerome McGinley, who's half black. And I mean, this team. is a city that is home to the the Boston Celtics, right? Like, how could that city be? They drafted PK Subban's little brother, Malcolm. He's gonna probably play next to them. He's an all star, or he's a star goalie pickup. Like so top prospect. Why would they possibly be racist? PK Subban scores the game winning goal in game number one of this playoff Double series. And, and just to. To, 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 to not just focus only on race is at 11 points in 8 games in the playoffs 11 points in 7 games I should say in the playoffs yeah. having a great playoffs fucking series. monstrous from a D-man too like mm-hmm. he's having a ridiculous playoffs like the Habs just in general like I was like the, the entire team or not the entire team but I was like there's like suddenly like top line offense out of like Briere, Bork, Eller and you're like these guys were doing nothing and then Playoffs come around, they're like, oh yeah, we can play. P.K. Subban has two-point games in the last three games in a row Mm -hmm. in the playoffs. Only the third Hab to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the the longest 
multi-point streaks in the playoffs is Larry Robinson with five, which is still crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, that, even, even in a dynasty, for a D-man to put up multiple point games five nights in a row is ridiculous. But anyway, so yeah, so PK scores the... Uh, game-winning goal. Game-winning goal in double overtime. And the Massachusetts. N-word... The N-word trends regionally in New England on Twitter. The thing I love about this is every Boston fan's reaction to this was like, it's just a few idiots. And I'm like, no. It's hundreds of them. Yeah, thousands. It has to be thousands of them. Think of all the tweets. like that In Massachusetts. Going, and you've that's, made it. That's tweets talking about their dog and going out for a beer. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, they're like, the actions of a few oh. fans. I'm like, it's a few thousand fans. There was an interesting uh, article. And the thing that gets me about this, and yeah, Sterling, what he said is awful and terrible, but he is an old man who who has so much money that he's so detached from reality right. that if he is crazy and awful, it doesn't make me feel sick about the world. Yeah. Compared to... Old rich white guys have a history of being dicks. <laughs> and, and, and detached from reality. Right. And that's okay. Like, it's it's wrong, but it's okay for the, my vision of how the world is yeah. that some detached madman can be racist. But thousands of people who are at least current enough to use social media, right, to still be so shockingly racist. Yeah. They, so I read this thing that was, uh, like, it was um, what's his name, James Wachinski, uh, Puck Daddy on Yahoo. Okay. Um, so when. I believe it was a Washington player scored an OT winner in 2012. There was yeah. like a similar outbreak from Boston. So that was two years ago. And like, there's, it's almost cut and paste the apology that comes out of the team being mm-hmm. like, um, like the Boston Bruins organization does not like endorse the actions of like classless, racist, ignorant individuals, and in no way are they associated with the Boston Bruins organization. And it's like cut and paste. And they were like, first, first of all in no way associated with the Boston Bruins organization. It's like, the fan base is the groundwork for your organization. Like, literally everything you do relies on a fan base watching your product. Mm. So, if you don't have a fan base, you don't have a product, your com- your team will fold, attendance will drop, you'll lose your TV contracts and everything else like that. Hartford, so, Hartford Whalers. Yeah, exactly. So, they're like, even though they're not on the payroll, they are the source of income. So, you are very much associated with these people. Also... You know you have a problem. You identified it in 2012 and you apologize for it. Two years later, you've done nothing and it's happened. If in those two years they did like outreach programs, outreach programs, like just like referencing the fact that they had the first black player, like referencing the fact of equality in sports and equality just in general and all that stuff, then you'd be like, oh, okay, the fans are dicks. It's not the organization. But I'm like, I think there is an amount of accountability to the organization to not just say, sorry, they're not on our payroll. I'm like, go fuck yourself. Do something about it and teach your fans that they're being fucking dicks other than being like... No, but like, I, I want to say this, and maybe maybe if you're a Bruins fan, you're going to be a little pissed off at this, but I don't care. Boston Bruins, as an organization, encourages dick behavior. And I've got an example of that. Go for it. The... The advertising campaign with the Boston Bear. Yeah. He's a dick. He's a giant dick. Absolutely. And yeah, it's kind of funny, but he's basically saying, are you a Bruins fan? Be a dick. Be a dick. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That, that campaign was years it was around. And it's... Hey, do you see someone wearing another team's jersey in, in the arena? Go knock his drink over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boston Bruins. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah. Hey, just, just you don't you don't like that what that guy's doing on the ice? Spear him right in the dick. <laughs> Milan Lucic. Yeah, exactly. I saw a picture of Milan Lucic holding a little dog, and I was like, oh, no. Please do not spay and neuter your pets with Milan Lucic. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> the, the thing that fucking, yeah, like, that that's, and that's always been my, when, like, I feel like I would have a healthy hatred of the Bruins, even if I didn't live in Montreal. Like, I'm like, there's a lot of teams that play, like, games of hockey that I'm not, like, a super big fan of. But I'm like, Boston Bruins play hockey that fucking irritates the fuck out of me. Like and I know it's only two to one in the series, but I've thoroughly enjoyed how the fact that Terrier has the Canadians dedicated to turning the other cheek and turning away and walking away. away, and how much that's driving the Bruins insane. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Just normally, the... normally I'd be like, "Oh man, I w- I really wish like a guy like White was on the ice yeah. just to get back at them." But that that would make them happy, and the yeah, fact exactly. that everyone's skating away is driving they would, them nuts. They, like, like the, there's been no fights. There's been no fighting I mean, majors. There's been no fighting majors. Which I, it, I guarantee you, the Bruins would like that. That would fire up the Bruins because, with the exception of maybe Peros, I feel like every player on the Boston Bruins could beat up every player on the Montreal Canadiens. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that like Brad Marchand could probably beat up PK Subban. And like, see, PK has like a head on Brad Marshall. Like, <laughs> I guarantee they, they train boxing on ice. Well, they fought before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Subban totally lost. Yeah, exactly. It's not a good fight. Marshall's the worst. <laughs> He's the worst. Marshall is a pretty big judge. J- Julian is also pretty worst. And uh, he drives me insane with his talk about, you know, our team would never do that. We have respect. I, uh, yeah, okay. And then, okay, and then okay, at the end of game three, he throws his thug line on when they're down no, no, two no, goals. No, 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 no. Fuck, fuck that. Um respect right like we play a respectful game whatever was coming out of julian's mouth got him a fucking bench penalty in the second period of game two <laughs> right like yep. like julian and like and fucking uh, and this is these are referees who will let anything go like if as long as it stays words like you like like you see the coaches saying a lot <laughs> and the referees are just like just let it go and whatever else like that so it was like <coughs> sorry uh, Don Cherry was talking about it, but like, oh, like, these prima donna referees, like, you shouldn't have to do this. I was like, first of all, go fuck yourself, Don Cherry, because, like, I guarantee you that when that ref issued a bench minor for abusive language, it was, like, after an hour or two of abusive language. <laughs> you know, it was probably also repeated warnings being like, Claude, just fucking shut your mouth. Just keep it together. I will give them a power play if you say that again. Exactly. Like and like and the other thing too is that we were like, oh shit, abusive language. I was like, can you imagine <laughs> what a referee thinks is abusive? But then, but then you like, have to think back. That they're like, was it the N word? Did Claude Julian drop an N bomb on the ref? And you'd just be like, are you fucking serious, Claude? <laughs> You're getting a penalty now, you fucking moron. You terrible old white rich guy. Uh, so I've watched all the games of this series um, on CBC. Yeah. I do not understand why the CBC wants Boston to win so goddamn badly. I don't... I don't... I, like... I've always... I, I've also... I, I, I understand and I, I, I can expect that... The, the Boston area announcers are insanely biased. Well, no, but there's also there's there's also there's Cherry and PJ Stock. 
who are part of the CBC like fold, and they're massive homers for the Bruins, right? Yeah, so, no, no, so there, no, no, so no there that's is, fine. There is that, like, there's like which makes sense considering PJ Stock makes his living in Montreal. Yeah, but okay, <laughs> but he made his career in Boston, so yep. And same thing with Cherry. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, no, I get, I get why Cherry hates Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> Because they ruined his his career. Absolutely, but yeah, um, no. The but man, like no, top to bottom, the the play by play guy, just sounds like he's he wants to make sweet romantic love with the Boston Bruins. Well, I like when they're just joking about Brad Marchand's like. Because I've also been watching it on CBC because I watched the two games of Topher Topher Fever's watching it in English, yeah. uh, and then I watched the third game just because I'd watched the previous games and yeah. I was like, oh, whatever, I'll watch it in English. And, I'm probably oh, gonna look, look at look at how Marshawn is just going over there to shove Carey Price. Look at that Marshawn. Look at this little slash here. I was like, you fucking hit a goaltender in the wrist with a stick. Like I'm like, I don't care if there's not a lot of force behind it. Fuck yourself, Marshawn. Like like the little shove bothers me less, but the actual slash to Carey Price, they're like, look at him, <laughs> most hated player in the league. It takes a lot of hard work to be hated in twenty other twenty nine other teams. <laughs> and I'm like. Oh, listen to those Montreal fans. They kind of want a penalty for that slash to Pacioretty stick that broke it in half while he was waiting for a pass in the slot. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Pacioretty is – yeah, he, sh- he should have gotten a penalty call for that because that's slashing. Pretty much. Slashing that breaks a stick is in most games automatic. <laughs> that is – well, it's like did you see there, there, was a, there was a really interesting article uh, – yeah. Pacioretty really taking his time getting back to the bench, just jawing at the ref for that penalty. Like, no. No. <laughs> Boston like, committed a penalty. No one – no call was made. Yeah. Although I will I will say in game three that Mon- Montreal was also, like, answering that no penalties getting called. Like, Yemlin yeah. was like, my stick is going to get way the fuck up and probably into your face on the regular because whatever. That's a thing that's apparently happening tonight. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I – I, I got the impression, and obviously this might be biased Montreal fan, but that Montreal was like was matching Boston's play, but Montreal started taking a little bit of advantage too. Like fucking, there was a borderline knee on knee that Darnie whipped out that, which I don't even know because he's so tiny. <laughs> if it's on purpose or him just trying Is not he, to die, I don't even know if he's able to do any knee on knee with any <laughs> players in the Bruins. It's like knee on ankle. <laughs> Damn it! Right yeah. into the shin pad. Yeah, but like Darren, like oh come on, Darren has been shoved face first into the boards. Darren matching up against Chara like on the regular is the funniest thing. In the Chara world. just grabs the back of his helmet and throws him into the the glass mm-hmm. like again and again and again. Yeah, well that's it's, the... it's sad. It's almost like Rudy. It's <laughs> like, come on, no. Yeah, there was a really uh, sad article being like, can't uh, like can't solve your opposing team's best player in the playoffs? Just take him out of the game. And it was like, <laughs> he's talking about, um, fucking, did you see Eric Stahl's slash to Sid's head? No. Like, swung like an axe, and stick bounces off the back of Crosby's helmet. You're like, no was call. Eric Stahl or Mark Stahl? Like, Mark did Stahl. Did this just happen? Mark Stahl, Rangers. Uh, yeah, uh, it's too many stalls. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is happening right now. And they're, like, they referenced other things, too, where, like, uh, it was a 2004 where they took out Zetterberg. Where someone took out Zetterberg with, like, yeah. a dirty play. Like, they're, like, and because it's the playoffs, first of all, might not get called. Second of all, inexplicably, the suspensions will be shorter. Yep. <laughs> You're, like, what the fuck? They, like, oh, it's the playoffs, so pff, two games instead of four. What the <laughs> fuck is that? They're, like... Like, there's a real, they're like... Rafi Torres? What? 
I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's like a, a real precedent of occasionally star players getting really badly hurt. Claude Lemieux. Yeah. What? Uh, Avalanche Detroit series? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Exactly. And I was like, oh, that makes me so sad. Like, it's such a shitty thing that you can... 1972. That's it. Bobby Clark, Karlamov. Mm-hmm. They they referenced that. That's... They, they, they referenced. They were like, Bobby Clark's like unapologetic hit on Karlamov. And he's like, to this day, is like... Yeah. Yep. I, nobody told me to do it, but uh, Coach did say that uh, we couldn't stop him. I did. So I stopped him. <laughs> and it's like, it is by far one of the dirtiest plays in hockey of all time. Like, yep. uh, In pro sports. Probably. Like, yeah. just open, like, face off and then, like, two-handed Crack. axe swing at your ankle. Clack! And yeah. just skates away. And you're like... I really hope uh, Krug is going to be able to play tomorrow after <sighs> an awful, awful hit he took. <laughs> as Brendan Gallagher pushed Dougie Hamilton, and Gallagher's a tough guy, and Dougie Hamilton is only what six foot five. Second biggest defenseman in the NHL behind Chara or something like that. <laughs> He's six five, six six. It's yeah. just, and Gallagher's what five eight. Yeah, yeah, that's just not fair. And not only did did Gallagher bully Dougie Hamilton, mm-hmm. he bullied him so badly that he Hamilton fell into Krug and gravely injured him. <laughs> Krug, Krug was not able to get up for like... Took a stick to the face. Hamilton stick. stick. <laughs> and and Krug was not able to get up for like 20 to 30 seconds yeah. making sure that that referee saw him. Yeah. The, funny, the funniest part was there was a brief <sighs> shot of Hamilton like talking to the ref and the ref just had this like... Uh, I likened it to the... If you look at the, the Nick Cage like, you don't say face. <laughs> like... <laughs> On, like, Rage Comics, like, the ref just had that face, like, wide-eyed being like, uh-huh, yeah, no. <laughs> like, just, like, super patronizing oh, face. Man. Like... And the only reason I'm being so extremely sarcastic about it is because Boston's favorite thing is to talk about how oh, yeah, Montreal, Montreal dives. Wines and dives. Yeah, which, and, again, to their, in their slight defense, Ga- Gallagher does dive. Gallagher dives a lot. And... Well, he flies around a lot. He sells. He sells like HBK out there. But I, I also think that when it comes to Dougie Hamilton, Hamilton's got what seventy pounds on him. Easy. Like the fact that if if Dougie, if if a guy was six foot five, two hundred fifty pounds, hit you, Keith. Mm-hmm. I go flying. <laughs> you you would go flying. I mean, it's not it's not diving if you're getting lifted into the air by someone significantly larger than you. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's. <sighs> I, I I'm so the one thing the one thing that it bums me out that bums me out is that we had a two goal lead in game two that we blew, and I was like it was sad. We, we that we, game ended. I was we, a little sad. We were ten minutes away from being up three nothing in the series at mm-hmm. this point, like which would have been like amazing. <laughs> like yeah. admittedly, nobody's up three nothing, right? I mean, oh no, well, L A could be. I think if they win tonight, or, yeah, or they win tomorrow. Did anyone pick the Ducks in our green group? I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think anybody picked the Ducks. But yeah, Minnesota though. Holy shit. Minnesota just suddenly answered Chicago with a four nothing. Like <laughs> des- destroyed them. Like like held them to like nineteen shots. And and Mini doesn't even have their star goalie, right? Like Harding's not. He's still hurt. No, they're not. They're playing. Uh, it's Briz. Yeah. It's Brizgalov. Humongous big win. In playoffs, <laughs> even even in the quote, like I, I was like, I love that the NHL writers like just quote him like, 
word for word because he's just sort of like win is big very 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 big like they wrote all the varies <laughs> just <'cause I'm> like, <laughs> you're just you're like just write whatever he says because it's amazing did you see the um the little clip of chris letang doing a report with Sutter? Like, yeah yeah <laughs> that was fantastic i and the best thing was i don't i don't think that anyone in the pittsburgh area would really have gotten letang's rds yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like exactly. no one would no one there would get it. Why? Why is he? Who has an RDS? Because <laughs> <laughs> RDS wasn't there at that. Yeah, like. Chris Letang was just English is not his his forte. Not at all. And he was getting interviewed and just started fumbling over his his metaphors. Yeah. yeah. What was it? And Brendan Sutter's the coach, right? No. No. Daryl Sutter's the coach. Brendan Sutter's the kid. Yeah. There you go. There's a lot of those Sutters. We're talking about <laughs> stalls. The Sutter boys. Are. Sutters are around too. But yeah, Daryl six six of them brothers that played in the NHL at one Jesus point. Jesus Christ! Yeah, but Daryl Sutter has an amazing thing from a press conference the other day too. I just can't fucking remember it. <laughs> but like, it was I can't. I'm like, I'm drawing a blank. But it was just like, it was like along the lines of like, we scored more goals, so we won, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was just like it was like a complete like bonehead fucking question from the from the from the, from the press, and they were, and Sutter just like. Answered in like the <laughs> dumbest possible way ever. Now he's apparently got a whole string of them here. Yeah, what, do you want to want to share some? <laughs> this isn't baseball on why he hasn't doesn't announce his starting goalie. <laughs> <laughs> Any others? <laughs> he has a sore back. It's that old line. I've got a week back. When did it happen? About a week back. <laughs> and <laughs> nobody you... died, and it's a hardworking point for our team after losing in overtime to the Islanders. <laughs> So how do you feel? Nobody died. It's a point. <laughs> yeah. Well, Terry, Terry had a good one uh, heading into the Tampa Bay series, right? Because Montreal won on the Saturday, and then Tampa Bay's game on the Sunday determined who had home ice advantage. And they were like, well, what do you think about the home ice advantage situation? He's like, well, I'll answer right now that the team that has it is going to say it's really important, and the team that doesn't have it is going to say, say no that it's not, not important at all. <laughs> like, th- those are the two statements really important glad we have it you know uh, opening up the series in front of our fans is a great great opportunity and we're gonna you know win at home for them and well you know it's a seven game series and we play some of our best games on the road and uh, even if we don't have home ice advantage you know we're still gonna bring <laughs> yep yep <laughs> fucking that that is one of the one of my pet peeves just in general with hockey is that the players just fucking say the same things again and again and again. Like, they go... It seems that NFL gets off the rails a little bit because, like, they're, like, really, really excited when they win and sometimes... What's... What was the fucking... The... Base, baseball is, is pretty good quotes. Baseball, yeah. Baseball, about. they go a little crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't really watch that much basketball or anything, but... But, yeah, but hockey is, Basketball like, had a, kind of a problem with the previous commissioner. He had all kinds of rules and regulations and was quick to find people. And players had a dress code. Yeah. Like, at press conferences and getting two games and. Okay, here's the thing. It's weird. Is NBA it? NBA is weird. I got, it's it's club policy, right? To show up to, in suits to. Mm-hmm. But yep. do all clubs have that? No. Because like I know that the Habs do. Because see, the Habs are constantly in suits mm-hmm. to and from arenas, and apparently the Bruins do too. But, <coughs> like, I find that so classy, like. Showing up in like a three-piece suit. Yeah, I like... can't imagine if you play for the Panthers that they'd make you do that. That they care. That'd just be really mean. Yeah, it was like I was reading this interview with Hal Gale. 
<laughs> talking about like he's like when he's like when you're Montreal in the hockey market, they're like, oh, they're playing Columbus, which is like a Western Conference team, whatever. But everybody still knows the trade rumors about Nash, you know, and it's like at the time, mm-hmm. and they were like. You go to Nashville and you're just sort of like, you could lose a game, win a game, <laughs> head out to the bar right afterwards. Nobody recognizes you. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's six foot seven. The, uh, he, he would stand out a little bit. He's six seven. In that in that no same article, they they posted a link to a tweet which fucking had me dying, which was him standing next to traffic pylons. Like it's his own picture that he tweeted mm-hmm. and said, "I'm the highest paid one here." <laughs> I was like, I love you, Al Gill. <laughs> I was like, that's the best. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so we're at, we're at 50 minutes. I don't know if you have any anything else. We talked about racism and hip-hop and sports. Sports. Uh, just one last thing on sports. We talked about uh, crazy people saying crazy shit and professional football. Right. The Montreal Alouettes signed Chad Ochocinco. Really? Yeah. Crazy. He he's, he's wants to keep playing football, and that dude is Straight up crazy. So he's gonna be the best. He changed his name to his number in Spanish. Right. <laughs> he he once got a huge fine from the NFL because he scored a touchdown and then reached into his sock and pulled out a sharpie, signed the football, and threw it into the stands. <laughs> That's amazing. Just, I love it. He is crazy, and he is now in Montreal. I'm so excited. I'm sure he will. Absolutely. He's not that. wearing Ochocinco on his back. He's got a. He's switched back to his real name. Aw. Johnson. That's bullshit. Right. We need to like somehow get a get a grassroots bring back Ocho Cinco. Ritzank. <laughs> Chad Ritzank. We changed his name to Ritzank. <laughs> or just Catherine Sank. It's like it's way long. <laughs> like, in tiny letters across the back. Catherine Sank. Yeah. Uh, that'd be good times for the mascot. So is there is there any, I guess we I, we could close up slightly on wrestling news, I suppose. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm watching still watching wrestling. <laughs> um, it's kind of they're they're doing they they reunited Evolution. Really? How yeah. did they do that? It's a mystery. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, Ric Flair came out and cut one of the craziest worst promos ever, where he seemed to be clearly inebriated. <laughs> he elbow dropped his jacket. Uh, he didn't. He didn't go quite to there, but it's like it's fucking. If you want, did he to... take back the figure four from the Miz? No, no oh. the Miz still technically has the figure four. Damn it! And uh, yeah, so Evolution is feuding with the Shield, which is a, mm-hmm. a really, really big push for those guys. Basically, yeah, I read that uh, Ambrose was basically forced into losing his title. Yeah, well, because it wasn't making much sense for him to hold it anymore. It was just like, <laughs> and and the other thing too is like they kept having like these crazy punishment matches for the title that he kept winning mm-hmm. which is like sort of almost puts him over as too strong if it's like he was winning like three on ones and stuff for the title right. and you're like okay it's just like it's just added on to the storyline there's no reason for him to have to be US champion while he's fucking feuding with the authority mm-hmm. and it makes sense that the the authority's gonna like th- stack the odds against him in a 20 man battle royal plus it finally gives Sheamus that push that he's been waiting for <laughs> supposedly he's gonna be a heel turn soon for for old Sheamus Good. He was better as a heel. He's much better as a heel. He's like a fucking boring face. Well, that's the other thing too is they were talking about the like the lack of lack of viable heels right now. Like there's Orton. Mm-hmm. Batista is going to be going on a uh, break over the summer for Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Triple H can't does or can't doesn't wrestle full time. So there's Orton, and then that is all. Yeah. And that's why Daniel Bryan is inexplicably feuding Kane from the Attitude Era. Like. <laughs> 
<laughs> like he's literally he's just re- rehashing a like Kane is tormenting his wife and wants to kidnap his wife and Daniel Bryan is all paranoid about that Kane's gonna kidnap his wife and Kane came up from the fucking ring and like tried to like drag Bree down the hole of the ring and I was, was he like, wearing a suit still? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 he's out, he's out of the suit. He's now back to being the demon Kane because the mask that Stephanie had in her office disappeared. Oh, okay. It's it's like a full supernatural attitude era story. Like it's, <laughs> they, they they would shut the door and the mask is on the door. They're like oh, like screaming. Like you know who's got to be worried about that? Michael Cole. <laughs> Why? <laughs> They're gonna light him on fire. It's true. He's the J- announcer. J- JR sold being on fire the amazing. Because he was on fire. <laughs> there was a there was a fire table spot at Extreme Rules. It was very weak. <laughs> it's because like it was one of those things. Like, Extreme Rules on the on the on the whole was actually actually pretty good. They and it was again a little bit like the Attitude Era because there was a <laughs> there was a cage match between uh, Bray Wyatt and John Cena, and supposedly the cage was to keep the Wyatt family out. Right, but. They're still allowed at ringside, which means that, like, if John Cena was trying to escape, they would, like, climb up the cage and knock him back in. And then at one point, Cena actually, like, pulls one of them into the cage also. And I'm like, that's a bad move. Now you're fucking with yourself, John Cena. Like, it was was so fucking silly. Like, as a silly, goofy cage match, it was okay. But in, like, if you're trying to take any of this seriously, like, the, the limits of what happens in a cage match were, like, pushed incredibly. While, like, someone would, like... Would oh he would have the door open and a Wyatt member would be like standing there from the door. You're just like, just hop out and touch the ground, John. Like maybe the guy will beat you up, but you'll have still won. Like why are you <laughs> thinking about this so hard? And then the the finish was so John Cena's about to make it out of the door and the arena blacks out and then like this weird creepy like voice like that sounds like deep and modulated like lights come up and it's a little kid who has the microphone so they're like putting his voice through a modulator <laughs> and again straight up supernatural attitude error because this little kid why is this voice coming out of his mouth and Cena's like <gasps> and then like stumbles backwards in shock because presumably he didn't grant that little kid's wish because he has throat cancer <laughs> <laughs> Man, I really hope this ends up with John Cena growing a crazy beard <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. I ho- I hope so. And like, and Cena, and like, the worst part though is that like the Wyatts are so over that Cena's still like getting the booze in this match. <laughs> and you're like, you're going up against the team of psycho hillbillies who are fucking like using kids in their promos and super creepy effect, are super violent, preach about like becoming gods and stuff like that, and you still can't get the crowd behind you. Just turn heel, Cena. Like, just turn heel. <laughs> like, I guess they still sells merch to kids. I suppose. Did you hear about the... Uh, oh, man. Just turn heel wearing a mask, then. Be Lucha Cena, the evil Cena. Or just have him in one of the masks of the Wyatts. Like, just don't call him John Cena. <laughs> Take <laughs> his jorts off. No one will recognize him. It's true. He's like a fucking <laughs> Kendall. The, there was amazing uh, internet fucking buzz where um, CM Punk showed up in St. Louis on a Monday. When Raw was in St. Louis on a Monday, okay. they were like, oh my god! I was like, he's there for the Hawks game. Sure enough, he's there for the Hawks game. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Obviously, he's got time off and shit tons of money. He's going to go to every playoffs game. Kind <laughs> like, of the best. That's good times. Yeah, but I, I can imagine, though, that there were some people at the airport who were really excited. <laughs> like, Raw's in St. Louis, Punk getting off a plane, being like, it's happening! 
<laughs> it's not happening. Running out to buy the tickets. Yeah, exactly. Like, holy shit. Goes to the Hawks game. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, – that's where he was at Mania. He was at a Hawks game, <laughs> like, during Mania. Yeah. People were saying that, like, that was probably a subtle way of being like, Don't, I'm not going to be at Mania. Because apparently he hasn't issued any, any statements, but, like, people – like Colt and whatever, are just saying that like he kind of doesn't like the fact that people are still chanting for him. I'm sure on another hand, he probably really likes the fact that people are st- like still. If there's like a dead like a dead match, like the new booing is just chanting for CM Punk, <laughs> like which is like he left in January, right? And like this is coming up on June, <laughs> like and if like if a match is falling stale, people just start chanting CM Punk, which is kind of hilarious to be like you know would make this match better, CM Punk. But at the same time, supposedly he was like, "It sort of sucks that like you're watching a Daniel Bryan, you're watching Daniel Bryan win the like unified championship at WrestleMania and they're CM Punk chants. It's like that's not fair to anybody involved in that match. Like they're putting on a hell of a match, has nothing to do with CM Punk. <laughs> He's given you no reason to think that he could possibly be involved with this. Like it's sort of shitty to the other guys, but whatever. Uh, have you watched any TNA lately? God no. <laughs> all, all I know that if we can bring this back to racism. Where they accident maybe accidentally turned all their top black superstars heel all at once. <laughs> all at once. <laughs> <laughs> like and they were like, did not think of that one at all. People were like, New Nation. So uh Hogan's gone now, he's he's back in WWE. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, AJ Styles left. He's yeah. now the heavyweight champion in New Japan. Yeah. And supposedly there's another promo that's gonna be starting that apparently uh like I mean, I like AJ Styles. I don't think he should ever go to the WWE. I think they would ruin him. They yeah. just see what they did to Christian after he came back and, and do that. Yeah, but you never know. Because like, there's like, like Ambrose came up from ROH and Brian came up from ROH. And like, like I don't know if there's the like resent, like, Christian. Maybe, for, maybe for TNA. Yeah. There might be still resentment to TNA. Remember that time you gave Christian the heavyweight belt? Watch what we do here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they have a history of doing that, right? <laughs> like they did that to Dusty also. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> so sad to watch those Dusty Rhodes WWF <laughs> tapes. Yeah. Awful. We were, we, were jo- we were joking about that actually. Watching. It's so hard. Like, he makes it work. Yeah. He tries really hard, and he gets fans on board, and <laughs> and then they just screw with him some more. Uh, I have the, uh, was watching on the network. They have the, the worst... I don't know what the official name is, but they have like a show called like Countdown, or whatever, and they have like the okay. worst, the worst fuck ups or whatever. And like Shockmaster was one of them. <laughs> and because the Dusty Rose, he was just sort of like, yeah, them fellas in the costume department, they had no idea what I was talking about, and they took what I said literally. I was like, I don't know, put one of them Star Wars helmets on it and paint it silver, and then we get there on the day of the shoot, and there's one of them Star Wars helmets painted <laughs> silver, and I was like, I was like, no. Nope exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> we put it on him anyway. You just imagine like fucking like coked up Desi Rose be like, get a Dawes helmet, paint it silver. Just do exactly like, but, like, this. But like walks out and then walks out of the venue, you know. A week later, the hell this Star Wars helmet painted silver here for <laughs> Put you it on him anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> put it on him anyway. Shockmaster Fucking yeah, it was the amazing moments. Highly recommend the WWE Countdown show. Uh, yeah. So that's the hour, Scott. That is. We did it without Scott. No wait, I'm without, without John and Sophie. This is they, the first one that John's missed in a while. Yeah, for sure. I missed a few lately. Yeah, 
Sophie's missed a couple. Yeah. Either way. Stay We're going to do one without you one day. It'll be weird. One of these days. You guys will take a really long time to figure out. There'll be like 30 minutes to figure out the audio on this episode because I was messing around with it earlier. We are just going to record it and send you a cassette and let you deal with it. <laughs> it's like literally going to be like a cassette, which is like all of you talking into a single microphone on a boombox. Yeah. Anyway, so this has been 90S, everybody. For Scott, John, Keith, and fan of the show and uh, the site in general, uh, please take the time to like us on Facebook. We are number 9to5dotcc, 9to5.cc on Facebook. And uh, also follow us on Twitter. We're at sign number 9to5cc number on Twitter. So, uh, And also be sure to check back on the site for something on Mondays, probably. Uh, we have Zombies and Loathing After the Bomb, usually on Tuesdays. We have a new comic in 9to5 Illustrated every Wednesday, a new podcast every week, usually on Thursday. It's either going to be a 90s or a Go Plug Yourselves. And on Fridays, we have Fine Arts with either Sophie and Scott. And, uh, you know, maybe John will even uh, contribute one of his mega articles at some point, too. You can only hope. Alright, thanks. 9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening.